Yo, what's going on, people? And welcome back to the Blockchain Enterprises podcast. I'm your host, Digi, and the aim of this podcast is to show you how anyone can start a business, find their dream job, or develop a revenue stream in this emerging blockchain industry. Most, if not all of our guests, started with just an idea, a few hundred dollars, and a Twitter account. Before we meet today's guest, Here's a quick word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you in assistance with our sponsors Crypto.com and Uhodler. Our first sponsor Crypto.com is a well-established platform and their mobile app offers the following features. A built-in exchange that lets users buy and sell 7 fiat and over 50 cryptocurrencies. A tiered debit card system that allows users to earn crypto cashback. Crypto Earn, which is a simple interest program allowing users to earn interest on any deposits held on the platform. And so much more, including their free-for-free promotion. You can check out the link in the description below for a $50 sign-up bonus. So go ahead and sign up today. Our second sponsor, Uhodler, is a fintech platform focused on crypto backlending with fiat, crypto and stablecoin loans available. Users are able to perform crypto to fiat and crypto to crypto conversions as well as open high-yield savings accounts for any crypto deposits. The platform supports the top 20 coins and tokens, and the app can be found online at uhodler.com or via Android or iOS applications. Sign up today to try their original multi-hodl tool, which is a unique feature powered by crypto-backed loans, and it helps users take advantage of crypto market volatility in either direction. With fewer fees than other margin trading platforms and an overall clean and simple look, MultiHodl is an efficient way to multiply your crypto portfolio. You can check out the link in the description below to get more info or sign up to their platform. Today, we'll be speaking with Joseph Todero, the founder of Blocktown Capital. Blocktown Capital is an investment fund focused exclusively on blockchain ventures, digital currencies, and protocol tokens. So let's go ahead and speak with Joseph. Yo, what's going on, people? And welcome back to another episode of the Blockchain Enterprises podcast. Today, we're joined by Joseph, who's a co-founder of Blocktown Capital. Thank you very much for joining us, Joseph. How are you doing today? Good. Thanks for having me. Our pleasure. And uh, really excited to hear your your journey in this space. Um, Before we kick off about um, your company and what you guys do, uh, we always like to ask our guests, uh, what was their first experience in the blockchain space? Yeah, sure. So I... First, I bought my first Bitcoin in November of 2013. Wow. Uh, I, come, I came across an article on Reddit, part of like the Our Bitcoin uh, 
subreddit over there. And it kind of immediately clicked. And from there, it just kind of led me down the, the proverbial rabbit hole. Um, you know, monetary policy, sound money, store value. And I ended up spending kind of months dissecting this stuff and dedicating a considerable amount of time to, to figure out what kind of value it was adding. Wow. I mean, for any of our listeners who, who weren't around at that time, um, do you want to give us a little bit of background about, you know, how to... to to find information where someone would look and kind of what the resources in crypto were like at that time? Yeah, so before, so largely today, it's like, it's mainly centered around Twitter, mm-hmm. crypto Twitter, everything's on Twitter, Twitter. but but back in the day um, on Reddit, uh, on this uh, the subreddit R Bitcoin, was where a lot of uh, kind of people gathered together to discuss Bitcoin ideas, what was going on in Bitcoin. And as a lot of these, you know, altcoins obviously sprung up as well, you had subreddits around each one of these, each one of these coins where their communities kind of gather to discuss what was going on. And you know, over time, that kind of morphed where I don't think I go to Reddit uh, or Bitcoin at all these days. Mm-hmm. And it largely is pretty much, I want to say, like a defunct way of getting information. It seems like the information you gather today, the quickest is all, it's all through Twitter. And it eventually makes its way to the, the other forums and Reddit. But definitely Twitter is the, the appropriate path uh, now. I think it's very interesting because, I mean, I think um, with crypto and with this industry, speed and um, conciseness of information is key. So basically knowing what's going on and knowing it very quickly is, uh, is probably the most important thing for, for anyone involved in, in this industry, I guess. Absolutely. To add to that, the, the space evolves so quickly mm-hmm. in the sense that that information, the speed of getting that information and getting those ideas is kind of critically important because it, it evolves at a rate, like any new industry, and especially one where, where retail is involved and it's explored at, at, at this level, it stuff evolves so quickly that if you're waiting to get information, you're waiting for journals or publications to tell you a lot of this information, a lot of times it's just, it's just too late to take the appropriate action or it's less beneficial to get this information at that kind of later date. It's true. And I think that makes a, a very good point as well about being proactive in this space and, you know, taking the initiative to find out information before it's delivered to you will always give you an edge over, over other people in the space. Absolutely. Um, so we talked a little bit about like, you know, what it was like when you first got into this space and buying your first Bitcoin um, what were you doing in your life at that time and kind of how, how has your career progressed uh, over the last couple of years? Yeah, so so let me try to put together a whole picture here. So in 2013, when I first started getting involved in crypto, I was about a year out of undergrad. I was all set up to go to medical school. I had, you know, the grades, the standardized test scores, the, the resume for it. But I was interested in basically taking time off before medical school with the, the hope and the idea that uh, that I wouldn't actually end up going to medical school. I was very much in, interested in um, what I like to call at the time wave riding, mm-hmm. which was the idea of basically finding technology that you think is going to transform industries over the next decade or two, and then getting involved with that technology. So I would spent a lot of time in this years off, but before medical school, after undergrad, in trying to find the technology I thought was going to revolutionize industries for the next couple of decades. And so it was around that time when I bumped into Bitcoin and I was like, oh, this is, this is what I've 
kind of been looking for. This, I think, is the, the idea that I'm searching for. And now when I got involved, it was the top of the 2013 bubble. So they went through 18 months of a bear market. Mm-hmm. And at the time, I, I didn't, there weren't a tremendous amount of resources to, for, to like point me in the direction of like, you know, what I was supposed to be, like how I would make this my career, what do I do with it, besides just kind of speculating on assets. You know, today, I think there's a lot easier path and there's a lot more people you can talk to to figure out what you should do. But at the time, it, it seemed like a little more challenging unless you, you know, were a developer or you wanted to build out a mining industry. It was, it was a little more challenging. So given that, I was, you know, I was kind of all set up to go to medical school. So I continued to just kind of go along that path while in, continuing to invest in crypto. So it suddenly became where my days where, you know, I was studying 10 to 12 hours a day, learning medicine in medical school. And then, you know, four hours at night, I was looking into protocols. I was looking into where the space was going, what, what, how I could ultimately kind of make it my full career. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I think that's a, a very inspirational. I mean, you know, everyone across the world understands um, a career in medicine is very safe, it's very lucrative, and it's very respected as well. So, for someone to kind of take the risk and, you know, kind of, um, you know, take the plunge into a career in blockchain over, you know, doing a medical degree and then another few years of training is a great inspiration for anyone listening out there. I mean, one thing we often come across uh, when we speak to people in this space is the fear of them giving up their regular day job to potentially try a career in this industry. Now, I think one of the reasons for that is because people tend to think that trading is the only way you can make money in crypto. And, you know, we're here to kind of show with our guests and, you know, um, the companies we work with to show that there's, there's tons of opportunities in this space. You can start a startup, you can, you know, look for work in this space. And as you mentioned, like the, the industry's progressed so much from like the early days that the opportunities are endless right now. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, in 2013, getting a job in crypto, like, it was hardly a thing. Like, you either started something or you were involved in the trading aspect of it. Yeah. So, like, when you fast forward six years and you just start to look through the number of, like, open positions and where people are hiring and the number of crypto companies that exist, mm-hmm. even if, like, you know, starting your own things maybe a little too daunting, getting employed is so much easier today than in 2013 when those companies didn't exist. Um, so like working in not like you don't have to trading is no longer the only aspect of crypto. There's plenty of kind of employment that if you apply yourself and start kind of building out and showcasing your skills, that getting a job within crypto is no longer something that's impossible, which is great to see for this industry as it matures and takes on a more um, built out look. Um, I, I think that's so true and, and you make a really good point about showcasing your skills you know that's great advice if anyone out there is listening if you are looking for work in this space and you don't have any relevant experience from your real world career you can easily just start showcasing your work for free on Twitter or via a blog and, and people will notice you um, eventually over time. Yeah say, uh, to, to follow up on that I'll say that probably one of the most important things you can do given there's 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 not like a, a long history of work experience in the blockchain space is really uh, getting out there on Twitter and whether you're, you know, whether you're a developer or a marketer or you understand, you know, markets in general is basically just either producing some content to show people how you think. 
because you don't really have a real resume for the block. You can't really, even me being in the space for six years, unless I can like showcase what I've been doing in this, there's not a tremendous amount to go on. So getting out there, yeah, really showcasing what you're, you're capable of bringing to these companies is tremendously important. I, I couldn't agree more. And, and again, for anyone listening out there, just take that on board. You know, um, this is one of the few industries where you can contact the CEO of a company via a DM and he'll, he'll reply, you know, so just, just get out there and do it. Um, that leads us on nicely to, um, to, to your company and your platform, Blocktown Capital. So we mentioned in the intro that you're the co-founder there. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about what you guys do and, and how that, um, how Blocktown, Blocktown Capital, excuse me, came about? Right. So Blocktown Capital is an investment fund. We take, um, you know, long positions in liquid assets, uh, it's uh, me and my uh, two partners, and it, it all kind of came from our general interest in investing and understanding the space. Mm -hmm. uh, as anyone in kind of crypto knows, it, it evolves rather rapidly, as do any of these kind of very new things. And one of the things we really wanted to showcase with Glocktown was through our blog and research of how we go about thinking about the space mm -hmm. and how we might help guide people into how they should think about the space, basically publishing our thoughts of, you know, where, where is this going over the next decade? Where is value captured? What doesn't have value? What's just kind of getting caught up in, in the buzz versus the substance of the space? And given crypto has an immense um, amount of kind of speculative mania that goes on it, I think people can really get caught up in just speculating on stuff that when you really dig into it, it doesn't have fundamental. So our hope with Blacktown Capital, with our research, with our Twitter accounts, is to help kind of get to the bottom of where this value in blockchain is and where that's going to be in, in 10 years and not have, you know, spend a tremendous amount of wasted resources and time on kind of chasing these, this speculative value that doesn't actually really exist, that is just a totally wrong direction for, for fundamental uh, value capture. Again, you know, I, I think you make a really good point around the speculation. So m most people who've been in this industry for a while know that any coin outside of Bitcoin, there is a high level of speculation. And, and like you say, when you dig a little bit deeper, you then look at, you know, are the fundamentals reflected in the price? And, you know, is this potentially a long term solid investment? Um, I think one other thing I wanted to touch on what you mentioned was about, you know, doing research into these things. So anyone who's, who's relatively new in this space, and when I say new, I say, you know, less than, you know, potentially three or four years, um, potentially doesn't know how to, to analyze these coins to, to differentiate them one from another. Um, can you give us a little bit of a feedback into like what sort of thought process goes into your reports and how you put them together and what sort of criteria you use? Uh, sure. So, like the most, the, the earliest thing we do that I spend a tremendous amount of time on is just kind of information gathering, mm -hmm. uh, both from the protocols and from other kind of thought leaders in the space, whether it's through Twitter or their blogs. And you're gathering a bunch of information to basically help put together an idea of, of where this space is at and where it's going. And so, in terms of valuing, it's it's very much. Uh, been the case that a tremendous amount of these these protocols don't have you know the the value in the traditional sense, and so getting to the bottom of it has been really mainly like tying their token uh, to some to some fundamental uh, 
source of, of money or use at the end of the day. So it's been that there's relatively few tokens that actually, you know, capture value outside of some of these base level protocols that don't have like a store value mm -hmm. or money thesis. And those are kind of slowly expanding. We're seeing with like decentralized finance and stuff, they're starting to build assets that actually capture some of the value that they're creating. So like one of the earliest things we do is kind of just looking at this token and saying, what value does this actually capture? Uh, if it's just used as a, a way to move money around a platform, uh, any number of other tokens could step in and take place that mm -hmm. with, with that. So it's really more like looking at which ones actually capture the value they create on the platform. And then also importantly is, do these platforms actually create value to be captured? Um, is there a reason users are actually going to do it? Does it actually improve the system? Is blockchain's consensus actually needed for this? Or is this just, uh, you know, could this be done on an Excel spreadsheet? So it's really like capturing two um, lines of thought is, is the platform itself creating value other than just users coming in and speculating on it? And two, does the asset that underlies that platform, does it actually capture the value that the platform's creating? It sounds highly impressive. And, and, and the one question I wanted to ask you, and I think this would resonate with our listeners out there, um, by using a set criteria when you analyze these projects and doing these due diligence into them, like what would you say is a percentage rate of the projects you research you know, that then get filtered into projects that are interesting and have promise? It's probably on, on the order of about 100 to 1. Mm -hmm. I'd say 99% of the projects uh, don't don't pass the, the test. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I really wanted to get that out there for our listeners, just to say that, you know, if you take your time to actually look into these things and research them properly, not only can you cut down your chances of potentially, you know, not investing or kind of taking a swerve on investing in a, in a potentially risky asset or a risky coin, but also you can then find the gem in the rough. So, you know, finding one out of a hundred coins, um, and then researching that further then kind of really gives you a strict filtering criteria for you to invest in projects and hopefully give you better returns over time. Yeah, for sure. Um, the, how we came across you guys was we, um, we noticed your recent report on the uh, FTX token, which was really, really impressive. Um, how long would, would a report like that take to comprise and who, who in the team works on that? So I would say for the, the FTX report, which was a little bit probably on the shorter side of our report, it was probably about, a, oh, we spent maybe a week and a half putting it together. It's not something we worked on full-time um, on any level. Um, but along with what our you know, daily activities were, you know, it might have you know, comprised like one-third of, of our days. And basically how it's broken down and how we go about putting these reports together is um, our two partners and I, uh, we kind of, we get together on a basic idea. And then once we kind of all agree that this is, you know, either an interesting project or an interesting idea to pursue a report on, we put together like a rough outline on it. And then we, you know, divide the outline up into you know three parts and each of us kind of goes our separate ways and turns these each of these parts into a draft and we kind of come back together and you know stitch them together and then edit each other's work so that they all kind of make sense and which part you works on can you know vary with each report but the, the general sense is you kind of want to play to each is each person's uh, strengths and mm -hmm. what aspect of the report they're putting together 
Um, it's very interesting, and again, you know, for, for inspiration for our listeners, if you can put some sort of framework in place um, to re review coins yourself, it doesn't take a massive amount of time to then filter these things out and spend a lot of time on the one particular one that does stand out. Or alternatively, if someone doesn't even have the time to do that, they can come across to your blog and actually just read the research that someone like yourself has done on their behalf. Yeah, so, so to add to that, the, the hope with the blog a little bit is, you know, not necessarily to say, hey, hey, this is, this is the, the project that, that you should invest in. It's really to kind of inspire people and kind of guide them on maybe a general process of what, what you should be looking for. So if you go through our FTX report or some of our other reports, you might have a much easier time when you start analyzing your own assets to be like, oh, this is what I should yeah. be looking for. These are the, the, the value add components, and I can filter out all this other garbage that, that doesn't fit a general model of what a value capture project should look like. So we hope it kind of acts as like a rubric to people getting started or starting to invest in this space, that they can then use that and extrapolate that information and the points we touch on to apply that to other projects in the industry. Exactly. And I mean, I think one of the things that really stood out for us on the report was the financial model that you put together. So you take right. a detailed look into, you know, all the tokenomics um, and the cash flows for the company um, and basically just come up with a figure based on, you know, on those variables to then, you know, kind of accurately try and reflect what the, uh, the token price should be worth. So again, you know, people um, are used to in this industry, just numbers picked out of the sky and, you know, this will be 20x and this will be worth 500 million market cap. So to see some structure like this, again, just really gives me hope in the way this industry is progressing forward and the way things are being analysed for the future. Yeah, we, uh, we, call, we usually call those models um, little uh, sanity checks because mm -hmm. like, they're, they're not usually you know, immensely precise in the sense that this isn't like you know, the exact value within cents or dollars on the, the value of this token, but given that there's such a widespread and how unreasonable some of these valuations can get as the speculative mania, it kind of acts as a sanity check. Is is it like within reasonable? Like mm -hmm. if it's 10x this, that is that is not reasonable. If it's, you know, within 20 or 30%, that might be a reasonable check on the value of this, this project. I think that's a great point. And again, you know, it kind of helps put things back into perspective for people when looking to invest in projects. If they can look for reasonable returns based on some sort of framework, then there's a lot more chance of them being a lot more successful in their investing because they're using something that's kind of got some, you know, rationale behind it. If if people just throw money based on a recommendation on Twitter and then just have an idea that it's going to go 10x because a coin with the same um, logo did a similar thing, it is basically just hopes and prayers, right? Yeah, absolutely. With um. Without any kind of framework, uh, yeah, that's where you kind of end up getting these, these valuations that are totally out of touch with reality and, you know, bad money chasing bad money at exactly. the end of the day, which is, you know, not exactly what you want to see in a space that has so much a real, like, fundamental promise. Exactly. And, and again, you know, people should really be really picky when investing their money. I mean, I always compare it to, like, taking a woman out on a date, like, if that woman isn't kind of going to make you happy then why would you spend money just to spend time with her just for the sake of it um, and it's the same with trading right why would you invest into a coin just because everyone else is doing it you should really be picky and, and kind of find the right opportunity that works for you 
Yeah, absolutely. Um, coming back to, to Blocktown Capital and your work there, like, um, what would you say a regular working day or week looks like for you guys? Yeah, so uh, a working day or week, as I kind of touched on before, it's immensely about information gathering. Mm-hmm. So in, in the sense that, you know, 50% of the day might be spent on just consuming information, uh, either through Twitter or through blogs or through, you know, personal conversations or reaching out to people. It's like the first step is basically just gathering an immense amount of information. Um, and then the, the next step is really kind of parsing through that information. And given the, the early nature of this, a lot of the ideas that you're, you're forming uh, require a little more time because uh, you have to kind of, there's not, there's not a, kind of going back to the rubric, there's not a lot of great rubrics for as, as stuff evolves, as projects evolve, as space evolves, you have to use some of the people, you know, pioneering those rubrics and seeing what they look like, what the space looks like. So then a good amount of time of, of the day is really spent like, forward-looking and looking at all these pieces, all this information together, seeing how it fits, how it's going to evolve, and where it's going to move from that. And then the other portion of the day is really spent on, you know, putting those thoughts into action. So either through, you know, writing about them, tweeting about them, making investments based on them. It's all just kind of like this three-part process of gathering and then, you know, doing something useful with that information and then projecting that to where we think this space is going. Um, very interesting. So we, we talked about the, the team makeup at the um, at Blocktown Capital as well. Like um, you said, you've got two partners. Um, do you want to tell us a little bit about your partners and how they got involved as well? Right. So my two partners are my two brothers. Um, you might see us around Twitter as like the three Tadaro brothers. Mm-hmm. Um, and they also, um, they came from, uh, so my older brother, uh, James Theron, and our younger brother, John Theron, James, uh, kind of like myself, uh, left a career in medicine. He was a uh, eye surgeon, uh, had gone through residency, and he started kind of investing alongside with me back in 2013, and then kind of culminating uh, in 2017, you know, stepping fully away from, from medicine like I did with medical school uh, to kind of make our careers fully in this space. And then my um, younger brother, he had traded uh, mortgage-backed securities on Wall Street and around the same time, uh, decided to step away from the traditional financial sector to make uh, make a career in the uh, crypto financial sector. So kind of all three of us had decidedly walked away from careers we spent you know quite a bit of time on uh, you know going through medical school or going through medical school and residency you know can you know into the eight year process. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we all kind of stepped away from careers we built up for a while to basically pursue what, you know, we considered, you know, one of the, the, the greatest industry changes in the last uh, few decades. Definitely. I mean, I love the idea of working with your brothers. I mean, for, for anyone out there who's listening, what would you say are the benefits of working with like a close family member in this space and building something together? So one of like the immediate benefits you get from it is just this like this ability to communicate. Mm-hmm. Um, and also there's like this, this form of trust that yeah. there's not a ton of time. So I, so with new partners, you kind of spend a little bit of time getting to know their personalities, how they communicate, what, uh, what is, you know, immensely important and what's less important. And you can spend a little bit of time kind of just making sure you're communicating effectively and are doing stuff in the appropriate direction where with like my brothers, given that we kind of work together on stuff, you know, our whole lives is you can kind of just hit the ground running. And there was no, there was no fluff to it. There's no miscommunication. It was all very much just 
straight line stuff that allowed us to not spend a tremendous amount of time kind of beating around the edges on, on the topics we were we were driving at. Um, it's highly oppressive and you know I love the idea like I said of three brothers working in unison for a common goal um, it's you know it's highly recommended for anyone listening out there if, you, if you're going to start up something in this industry why not do it with a family member that the trust element is something that you you cannot replace I guess yeah it's very kind of easy to get anything running when there's kind of this implicit level of trust uh, it allows you to kind of just make moves very quickly without, like an example would be just like if you were, you know, forming a, a partnership or had a new partner and you didn't know them, just like the headache of dividing the company up or dealing with the breakdown of shares or, you know, the trust level, it's just kind of like an immensely big headache that slows the whole process down when the idea is just like, it's just like a little fledgling and you're like, let's just start moving on that. We, want, we don't even know what it is yet. We don't know what it could be. And this just kind of retroactively look at, you know, who put in work, who's doing what, or how we should do that. And it's just really hard to do that with, you know, people you don't fully trust or know. It's just you got to, you know, write this. Everything has to be well documented versus let's just start running with the idea <laughs> and we'll figure out the rest of it later. It's true. And I guess the other element as well is if you all live locally, you know, work can be done very easily. Um, there's no issues with time zones or kind of like, you know, regulations in different countries, etc. Yeah, so you're all pretty much on the same page. I mean, um, just wrapping up here, Joseph, it's been really interesting to hear your story and where you guys started off from and where you are now. Um, if anyone out there is listening in interest, if anyone out there listening is interested in working in this space or building a startup in blockchain, how would you um, recommend they best use their skills? Uh, yeah, so I would say, as we kind of talked touched on earlier. Um, Basically, if, if you need to get out there, you need to. So if you're if you're a writer, you're a market analyst. You need to start writing and publishing that. If you're a marketer, you need to start showing your your abilities to market. If you're a developer, you know, start tinkering, start offering to help out with someone's project. Basically, you really just need to get out there because like there's two really important things in crypto. It's rather a small community, mm -hmm. so any connections you start to put together are really compounded because someone knows that person who can then say, you know what, I worked with uh, this guy and I, you know, I trust him. He's you know, a good hard worker. And so like, that becomes immensely almost more important than your resume. And then the second part is really just showcasing your skills. There is really little ability to look at your resume and know exactly what you can do in the blockchain industry or how dedicated you are or if it's just like a, a more mild pursuit than having some kind of track record of what you've been doing in this space. Fantastic. I mean, there you have it, folks. You know, for anyone who's interested in, in jumping into this industry, just take the advice on board what Joseph mentioned and literally just get started today. You know, don't don't procrastinate. You could, you know, write an article, put it out on Twitter. It might not be the best, but as you keep doing this stuff over and over again, it gets better and people also notice the hard work you put in. Um, so just as we wrap up, um, we talked a little bit about the benefits um, of kind of, you know, building something in this space, etc. Like, where do you see the biggest opportunities for growth in blockchain over the next couple of years? So I think over the next two to three years, the most exciting space will probably be within um, uh, decentralized finance at this point. And the reason I believe that's the case is I really, I really think um, that there, there's a number of Places this this technology can be applied to, but it just fits so 
easily into finance that I, I can't imagine it won't be the, the first space that kind of really gets hold and starts to take off. As you can kind of already see, like we've been kind of investing and analyzing uh, DeFi projects since 2018. Wow. And it, it's, the, it's the piece of technology that fits most snugly in this space. And as you expand out and build infrastructure, you'll allow plugging in more things. But um, I do think decentralized finance will really be like the first mover. So in the next two years, whether it's, you know, working for a DeFi company or, you know, marketing for one or writing for one, I think that would be probably the, the spot to see the most growth with other things to follow after that. Fantastic. I mean, yeah, so DeFi is a very much a buzzword right now. And I, I agree, I don't think it's going anywhere anytime soon. If anything, it's just getting bigger as more and more people start noticing the possibilities that are being built and developed. Um, right, so we'll wrap up there for today. Um, just before we go, um, if anyone's interested in visiting your blog or visiting your website, do you want to give us a little bit about where they can find you and your socials? Yeah, you can find me on Twitter at Joseph Tadaro, then underscore. Um, and then the, the blog, usually, you know, it's pushed out through the Twitter all the time, but blacktown.capital has a, a link to our blog as well. Fantastic. So, yeah, I mean, I'll, I'll leave all the links in the description below. Um, our listeners, I'd highly recommend you check out their FTX report. It's, um, it's a level of analysis that I've personally not seen in this industry before or, you know, not seen available for free. So, you know, it's highly recommended. And also, like, like Joseph mentioned earlier in the podcast, can hopefully also give you a framework on how to, you know, give you the confidence to start assessing your own projects and reviewing your own projects based on a on a criteria and you know um, looking at it logically before investing any funds um so yeah on that note we'll uh, wrap up here today thank you again for joining us joseph and uh, hopefully we'll catch up again soon sounds good thanks for having me thank you very much Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Blockchain Enterprises podcast. We hope you can get inspired from Joseph's story and his advice. If you wish to get more information, you can check out his socials in the links in the description below. Finally, if you're interested in learning more about how to generate revenue streams in the crypto space, or if you're interested in becoming a sponsor of our podcast, then visit our website at www blockchainenterprisespodcast.com